supreme need of our time is for men to learn to live together in peace and harmony. I have directed the continued and increased close surveillance of Cuba and its military buildup. This is a strong nation. This is a compassionate nation. This is a decent nation. And this is a nation that will not let terrorists change our way of life. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth that great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Welcome to the American Perspective. This is Josh Newmark, and today our guest is from the Second Congressional District of Maryland, Tim, or excuse me, Tim Fazenbaker. How are you today? I'm doing well, Josh. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, you know, one of the things that's come out is uh, a lot of interest from the people on the Patriots or conservative members that are running against hotly contested seats this year. Um, you know. Your district right now, or even your state, Baltimore included, there's been a lot going on. Um, we've got the mayor of Baltimore who's been in some trouble, uh, Elijah Cummings. And then we've had patriots that are going and cleaning up the streets of Baltimore. With you going in uh, and, and hopefully winning, what are some of the things that you're hoping to achieve once elected? Well, I appreciate that question, and I appreciate the spotlight that's been on Baltimore and the surrounding areas, and for many of the major cities, because we see evidence of what socialist policies have done for half a century or more. And with an example of Baltimore being in that spotlight, you see basically this corruption that runs in these one-party systems and one-party states, and you see where money is missing, you see a lack of heat and, and, and air conditioning and in our schools, you see inefficient progress at these schools. We, there's parts of Baltimore where there's 0% uh, proficiency, and yet nothing ever seems to change, just more promises. So as a self-proclaimed American first candidate for congressional office, if I'm coming into office, what I want to see changed is a group of us now running across the country, we're, we are calling ourselves the America first candidates similar to what the Tea Party candidates had you know, shortly in the past. But we are looking to clean up the corruption first and get out that swamp. we got to pull that plug, drain that swamp, get these people that have been in there for 40, 50 years. Uh, coincidentally, Dutch Ruppersberger, who was my opponent, he's been in office in some, so in some sort of fashion for two months longer than I've been alive. And I'm not very young, but you have this corruption in power. And it turns into things where we've had the mayor, three mayors had, and, and they were embroiled in, in flat out corruption. And a lot of that involved, we had the University of Maryland medical system that was tied in with this healthy Holly uh, farce of a scandal, let's say. And a lot of the politicians like Dutch Ruppersberger originally were on those boards and set up these boards. And it's all this pay-to-play system. So we want to clean all that out. I want to clean all that out. I want to highlight and, and expose the, the rampant corruption that goes on with, with this, this power system. We have other things here in Maryland 
where we have Steve Bashotti who owns the Baltimore Ravens. And he has a company that is called Trade Point Atlantic. And Trade Point got uh, 3,300 acres of prime real estate for, for basically nothing. And then in, in return, we are giving $500 million of tax money to a private business that a business like yours or mine or anyone else's couldn't get. And they are all tied in with the politics. And it, it's things where people always say there are two different types of rules. There's those who get those special rules and there's all of us. So that's got to be cleaned up. Number two, we want to put American policies first. So every legislation that is out there, every topic that is being discussed, we want this first question to be, how does it benefit the American people first and foremost? And to give you a great example here, we have plenty of children that are in foster care. We have plenty of children that are in, in need. We have veterans and elderly that, that go without, yet we always seem to have money to give either to foreign powers that don't even have America's best interests, or we have money to give to illegal aliens that are coming here. Mm -hmm. uh, and we got to stop that. And then lastly, the third main, main point that I really want to see and will we'll enforce as best I can is we need to bring back real manufacturing type jobs, jobs that pay better. We can't do that unless we first fix our education system because we need to attract businesses to come here and they won't come here if we have a, a, a workforce that is not suitable for, for that environment. And then we need to make sure that they have friendly business environments here and not, not places like Baltimore that has the highest property tax uh, in, in the entire nation. We need to make it so that they want to come here and we, we can supply the workforce. And then in return, we have a better tax base because people are working and we are, you know, we're getting revenue from, from that tax base. So there's a lot, of, a lot of work to be done. But myself and a group of uh, a lot of the America First candidates across this country, this is exactly what we're aiming for. That sounds great. You know, it's definitely something that the country is in need, you know, is, is a massive shift in the direction that we've been heading. Now, let me ask you this. You, you believe in America first with that, yes. with that mindset. Do you hold constitutional values? And if so, do you believe in total equality and finding a way to unite all Americans regardless of any background? Yes. So I, I, I'm very by the book when it comes to the Constitution. Now, the Constitution has its abilities to be amended. And that was obviously great because there were certain things in the Constitution that weren't up to today's standards or what I would what initially would have been wrong. But at that time, that's the way they perceived a lot of things. So, yes, I, I stand for the Constitution. And that that piece of paper is extremely important in the history of mankind because this was the first time that the power was limited by government instead of the powers that were for the government over over the subject sub, subjects so mm -hmm. yes we all are equal and part of that is i hate the the hyphenated americans so we are all americans we used to be this great melting pot where we became americans and so you had the irish and you had the italians and the germans and everybody that came here we all assimilated now everybody is something american and if you have system where you have this balkanization going on, then you lose that identity of being American. So yes, 
everyone is 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 offered and the opportunity to be equal doesn't mean the uh, uh, the equality of an outcome, but you have the same opportunity. It's what you put in into it. And then the last part of that would be here's the core belief of myself and, and many people that believe in, in that constitution. It's it's simply this. You have that God-given right to do whatever you want with your life, provided you don't take away that right from another. And if you look at every single piece of legislation and bill, that should be the initial question. Does it give people the freedom to do what they want as long as it doesn't take away that same right from another? Excellent. Yeah. You know, the Republicans have been getting such a bad rap for being hate mongers and now the, the new term white supremacists. You know, how do we get away from that as a conservative or Republican? Um, what are some steps that we can take to, to show the country that, you know, it's not that bad. We're actually here to protect your values. You know, what are some things that you might do? Correct. So I, I thank President Trump and there's been others before that have, have put, put these types of things aside and they led by example and they were on the offense instead of defense. So initially, when someone says you're a white supremacist or you're whatever they want to label you as, now you're on the defense. So we need to make it so that we're on the offense and we need to change that narrative. So if they want to say that somebody is something, no, you need to basically say, well, you're you're against what we are. So a quick example is I ran a local county council race as a write-in last year. And I, I, my background is in mental health and my degrees in psychology. And I really thought about what makes a person remember something. And it's usually tied in with an emotion. So mm-hmm. if we tie in an emotion with, with something we want people to remember, they're, gonna, they're usually going to remember it. And the, the, the thing I learned from the Clintons in the 90s, they were very good at, at crafting a message. And they became they they labeled the Republicans or the people on the right as the party of no. So in, in, instead of saying that we are anti illegal alien or anti illegal immigration, I came up with a message that we were American kids first. We wanted to put our American kids first. Now every time somebody attacked that message, they were on the on the defense because we would easily say, Well, do you not put American kids first? Why would you not want to put our kids first? It quickly changed the, the, the whole narrative. I had many people who didn't believe with almost all of my policies that still voted for me just as a write-in candidate because they said, you, have the well, you are well-intentioned to put our children first, and that is something that we can all unite behind. So when we take out hyphenated names and we take out this organization of groups of people and we become Americans, now we have one core principle to unite behind and that is to be american and take the and do what it takes to put americans first so we need to change that narrative we need to not play in their fields and and i always say this too i'll say this i'll ask you this josh do you know what my race is josh uh not by you know voice right so therefore a lot of times and people will look at me or they'll look at you or anyone and they make that assumption of what someone is. But you really don't know what someone's, what someone's race is, or you don't know who they're married to. You don't know what their children are like. So when they attack you, the 
first thing you can say to them is, I'm sorry, what is my race? What is my identity? Whatever it is, because we're not, we're not who they just think. Don't let them tell you who you are. We are all humans and we all come from a, a human race. So therefore, push down their message and basically put it right back onto them. That's, that's fantastic. You know, we do have to, to start, you know, thinking uh, a little clearly, you know, when it comes to politics. Um, and one of the things that's come up for me personally, uh, I come from a Jewish background and mm -hmm. there's been controversy back and forth where everybody calls me white, but then yeah. they'll go out and say, well, Jews aren't white. So, you know, we're at this, this ridiculous phase of American history where, you know, we're, we're attacking a color of skin. We're not really thinking into it, lumping people in because not everybody's the same. That is correct. Yep. That's, yep. well, um, you know, as I was looking through your campaign site and there is a lot of talk about the America first agenda. Uh, so stopping career politicians would be part of that. How can we make that change? And would it be term limits? Is that something on the table? Yes, I'm so glad you brought this this question here. So we look at the Constitution, and initially the president, presidency did not have in the Constitution a term limit. And this has become an issue since Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made the blunder about when we ratify the Constitution and, and basically put into the effect that a president can serve two terms. Well, if we have a term limit on the presidency, then why don't we have it on other areas of government like, like Congress and the mm -hmm. Senate? So for the constitutionalists that will always say, well, term limits is, is uh, enforced by elections. Yes, you are correct. But you either have term limits for the presidency and Congress, or you don't have either. So I, I personally believe that the system has changed from 200 plus years ago where this was a truly public servant role to take this representation to Washington for the people. This wasn't a career position back then. So this is one of the times where the, the, the Constitution should be changed in theory or at least discussed to say times are different and the Constitution was written for the fact that we needed people to come in and they weren't expecting that this would happen, where people would stay and amass all this power. So when I become the congressman here for District 2 in Maryland, one of the first bills that I want to introduce is a bill that shows that there will be a 12-year limit for term limits. So this could be one term of Senate and six years of Congress uh, of in the House of Representatives, or it could be 12 years in the House, but we need to limit that number. That's, that's pretty much a generation. Like, and like I said, my opponent right now has been in, in, in government power for two months longer than I've been alive. And that kind of stuff just is not healthy for an environment. It breeds corruption. Mm -hmm. And I also want to take it one step further, and I want to end pension plans and Cadillac-type plans for these members that are elected. We've seen that with Obamacare when you had – the mass of people had to be under Obamacare, but the elected officials got to have the more Cadillac type plan, and it was a set of two laws or two two standards. 
that kind of stuff needs to stop. So we will put in, in place legislation to push term limits to make it a 12 year max. And we will try to end pension plans for all of these people that are elected. You know, I want to take that a little bit further too, because uh, you did bring up the, the financial end of things. We've got, you, you enter into Congress uh, roughly, what, $175,000 a year salary? Yeah, um, and yet we've got politicians making millions out of their mm-hmm. seat. You know, what's, what's going on there? Is there a need to kind of investigate the financial side of politicians? Yes. So there's been a lot of talk about insider trading, the obviously the pay to play system, people getting rich off of having that power. You've seen it with the Clinton Foundation and, and selling uranium. Uh, and then in turn, you know, those organizations get $500,000 per speech uh, after these deals happen. We've seen it with Joe Biden and his son with, I believe it was in China. And then he had something in Ukraine. You just get this pay to play system. Well, we see it like in locally down here in Maryland with Trade Point Atlantic. It's the same thing. These politicians are taking these big donations. And then all of a sudden the taxpayers are paying all this money for this private industry. And that's what socialism really is. They pick the winners and losers. On top of that, you, you have these people that are in power and they continue to just collect donations and they can pay themselves in certain ways. They find the, the loopholes through the FEC to, to pay off, you know, use their, to pay their cars, their, maybe pay it for an office inside their house. And a lot of those things are understandable, but they are embellished, we, we will say. And I've, you know, this is my first time actually running um, a full out race. And I've seen it and I'm talking to people and they're like, oh, this is what you got to do and this. And no, the ethics is just way out of proportion. So the money, the money is there. And, and, and one specific example that I like to show is or highlight with Dutch Ruppersberger, who is basically a socialist. He is very uh, on board the Green New Deal, which we know was not about the environment. It was all about changing government and, and collecting power and money. But he also has his district gerrymandered so that he has two military bases. He has what's called Aberdeen and he has Fort Meade that were put into this district. Now, logistically, they are not they're not close. They are not part of what this the core of this business is. But when you look at his donations and you'll see this with most politicians, he has all this backing and support from defense contractors. And then you and and at least half of probably what he brings in comes from these types of industries. But when you look even deeper at his voting record, he will side against his own leftist type policies and he will vote to allow things for Saudi Arabia to occur where he's also getting donations. And, and it's been highlighted by other organizations like the Young Turks where they put segments on on how they, they follow this money. So money is all the power and socialism and money equals basically cronyism. So we need to be able to stop this this power is and this this mass of corruption but in order to do that we need to limit the power that people can have and that's what the constitution really is all about you know you you just brought up the uh the redistricting uh on march 30th 2012 the second district was included in a list released by the national journal 
of the top 10 most contorted congressional districts due to the redistricting. Um, How has this affected voting in your district? Yep. And the, the, the phrase that we will use is the voters don't get to pick their official, the official, but the elected official picks the voter. And they do this. And in a place like Maryland, where when I was a child, it was we have eight representatives. It was four Republican, four Democrat. And now it's seven Democrat, one Republican. And there is talk about trying to gerrymander that lone Republican district so that another Democrat comes in. Well, everyone in this in this state and in many states around the country, we all know that this happens. Now, it's it's technically legal. But it's not necessarily ethical, and it doesn't represent the people. So we have issues in certain parts of District 2 that have nothing to do with districts that are an, uh, an hour away or towns that are hour, an hour away from the core part of District 2. You have people in, in different just mindsets and groups and different ways of life that are thrown in to this. And, I'll, and one other example in Maryland that was actually part of the Supreme Court case that happened just just a couple months ago. District six is Western Maryland. Western Maryland is Appalachia. And it's always been a conservative or a Republican that represented that area until they added Montgomery County, which is basically Washington, DC. And that addition basically set the entire uh, district into a free fall where now only a Democrat can win that position. Mm-hmm. So we need to address this. We need to make sure that we're highlighting a common group of people and what their concerns are and not allowing these voters, I mean, these elected officials to pick their voters. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, you know, I did a little bit of research on you. Um, and, and it looks like your core beliefs, and correct me if I'm wrong, your core beliefs are lower taxes, limited government, and individual responsibility. Out of those, yes. uh, what do you see as the biggest challenge that you're going to face on those topics? Well, let's say with lowering taxes. So I, I'm, I'm part of many civic councils and president of an association where I live as well. And what we see all the time are rising costs and people are reluctant to make change in order for, in order to be more financially responsible. So they don't want less money. That money equals power. Then they build relationships with that money and power. So the first thing people say when it comes to lowering taxes is, well, and this goes along with, with limiting government as well. It's, it's well, then what, what programs are you going to cut? And that's mm-hmm. always the question. And that goes back to the emotional tie. Because now you have a, you got people saying, well, don't cut my program because it's important to them. But what we need to be, what we need to be speaking about when it comes to low, lowering taxes and limiting government is how do we let somebody have that individual responsibility so that they can, they can grow in this environment? which creates more taxes. And we've seen that both uh, with President Reagan and with a huge economic boom. And then we're seeing it now with President Trump. So you have, you have people that we, talk, we need to talk about the fact that we're going to create jobs and that we're going to help people get off of these programs 
so that we can lower individual tax rates because we have a higher tax base. Same thing if you're running a community association. If you have 300 homes, but only 250 of them are paying their, their portion of an association, then everybody's going to have to pay more to meet those bills. But if you get off 300 people to start paying, then, and then you will have the ability to lower the rates for everybody else around the board. Exactly. Now, if I, if, if I may, I'll take this one step further and talk about taxation and, and just a quick plan of how taxation should be. That was for the longest time, America got its tax base from tariffs and we didn't have an income tax. But that income tax is designed so that there is power over the people and that we don't see necessarily how much you're taking out of our checks because we don't – a lot of people don't pay attention to a gross versus their net. Right. And if they realize that they had to write a check like a lot of businesses do for what their taxes are, they would have a better understanding of how much money is going from each person, and then we don't have the results for that kind of money. So we have poor leadership as well. But if we had a flat tax or even a, a, a VAT type style tax where we didn't pay income tax, but every single purchase had a tax on it, then you were having a larger tax base. And if there are illegals in the country, they are paying tax now because whatever they buy has to have a tax to it. And then for the people who believe in more progressive taxation, now you have wealthier, more affluent people that are buying, say, a yacht or whatever. They're paying a higher tax because everybody's paying a higher tax because there's no income tax. So all around the board, everybody's contributing. Now we all feel like we're part of the team and we've all become Americans. So, and we get away with this tyrannical form of taxation with the income tax. So I believe that is the best way to move forward with the, the topic and conversation of taxation. Love it. I, I think you're spot on on that. It's something that I've been passionate about. I mean, Herman Cain, uh, yes. When he was going to run, he had his 999 plan. It was a complete restructuring of the, of the tax code. Yeah. You know? yeah, I remember Herman, and I love that plan. And, you know, the one, one comment, I know that people will come back and say, well, you know, people that are in need of stuff uh, that are struggling, how are they going to pay the, t the taxes when they purchase a product? Well, they already are purchasing products with taxes on there as well. Now, those products will go up. We can, we can have that discussion doesn't have to be black and white, but right. we, we need to change this form of taxation, which really hinders progress in this country and is unfair to millions and millions of people. Yeah. We lived without it until the, the 20s or 30s, and I, can, I think we can do without it again. I agree. Um, now, earlier you mentioned about your background in healthcare. Uh, your, your campaign also notes that you're Mental health care and energy independence have been a major part of your life. Um, how have you been involved in those, and what do you see going forward as a member of Congress that you can contribute? Sure. So two, two core careers in my life here. So I was an executive in the mental health care field. Uh, in, in, I've been in, I was in health care for a long time, and everything changed after Obamacare. Obviously, that was by design. Uh, the industry changed. But being a conservative in that field, I definitely was a minority there. And But I had that same passion. How do we take care of people? How do we help people become independent? 
people don't like necessarily dependence, but they become accustomed to it if we don't if we don't help them become the best that they could be. Right. I give a gave a speech just recently with Angela Stanton King, who's the goddaughter of Alveda King, and her her book that she wrote was about the fact that she was content with being on subsidies and and public assistance until Alveda King got in her life, and then she showed her her true potential of of what she could become if she put her her effort into it. So, and I, I loved I loved her story. So it's the same thing here, where if we if we help people with to obtain the best ability that they have, then we create a better environment. Now we also need with the with the whole topic of the Second Amendment going on, and I, I'm very protective of the Second Amendment. We need to be able to help people with mental illness so that this doesn't fester into some situations like we see. But I'm not for red flag laws or anything. We have them in Maryland, and innocent people have been killed because of them because they're they're used by the government as power. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to address mental health where it should be addressed in the hospital or clinical type setting. After that. And I, I switched careers, and I've been in the energy and hazardous waste field. I am I'm an, another minority in a field where you know this is considered the environmental left. But what a lot of people don't believe about conservative principles is we want clean air and clean water, and we want the corruption that goes along with these polluting policies to stop. And we've seen them with Trade Point Atlantic. And Dutch Rupert's Burger support, supporting Trade Point Atlantic, where they will have the Department of Environment change legisl- change their regulations so that what would typically be classified as hazardous material now will be considered non-hazardous because it's on these acres of where a private company like Trade Point Atlantic is now controlling. So uh, in this field, we you know I, I explore a lot of how do we become more energy independent? Uh, what are the best avenues? And then we see a lot of regulations on these types of things that are way above, and they put a burden on small businesses and even large businesses where it they become strapped and their prices go up. And these are unnecessary regulations. Now, many of them are necessary, and there should be some other ones, but there are a lot of overburdensome regulation in these, in these areas. So bringing that experience Congress definitely helps me with understanding how we can further our health care and mental health, and then along with that, how we can become even more energy independent and how we can protect our environment. The uh, other topics that I was able to look into, um, it looks like you're a believer in the need to protect our children, elderly, and veterans. And how can we help the VA and veterans? I mean, that's been a massive topic over the past yeah. what, eight years. You know, what can yes. we do for them? So I'm a student of history and in, in Rome, they took care of their veterans. Uh, they, they basically gave them housing surrounding Rome for, for multiple reasons, but they took care of their, of their people. And I had an old Italian godfather born in 1899 that, was best friends with my great-grandparents, and he was a godfather to my grandparents, my father, myself, and he taught us loyalty, and it's a virtue that we don't hear about as much anymore, and in this, it's you take care of your own people. Now, that means it starts within yourself to take care of yourself, and then you take care of your family, you take care of your neighbors, your community, and, and so forth. 
Now, when we let groups of people like veterans and our elderly and our children suffer so that we can end up get scoring political points by helping whatever other group that isn't American or isn't one of our, our, our core foundations, we are really stealing and doing an immoral thing to our own people. An example that I have right here in my district is we have a veterans hospital in Fort Howard, Maryland. And that hospital is now dilapidated. It's not in use. And it's one of two veterans hospitals, the other one is in California, that are being leased out and not back to the veterans. We've, we've been trying to get President Trump to tie this into Fort McHenry because it's a lot of historical ties into the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812. And this is now going to become a high-rise complex for an additional four to 400 homes to 1,000 homes in, in this area that should be for veterans. We also have the issues with veteran care and even uh, Medicare where people are still struggling to be seen or to have the proper care that is needed. So we need to be able to let these people get the, the care they need, however they need it, and then the government figure out a way to take care of that. But we, as we see, when government gets involved in things, they always destroy it. So, but they, be, they create a base of people who become dependent on it. We can create people who have the autonomy to do things that take care of themselves with the assistance of the government of groups like the Tennessee Volunteers that used to be around. And th these, are, these are associations and groups that we should be pushing instead of the government, excuse me, as, as the uh, end all to this kind of stuff. Our veterans and our elderly and our children need the care before we give money to foreign adversaries or illegal aliens or people who just don't want to help themselves. We need to take care of our own and we need to take care of the ones who have sacrificed for us the most. You know, one of the things uh, that happened today uh, you know, on this topic, Trump talked about how uh, any illegal immigrants that were using a benefits fit for Americans would no longer be eligible for a green card. Is that something that you support? I support. I haven't seen the whole thing in full context. I did see highlights today of this. And generally speaking, it's America will only survive by bringing in people that want America to survive. We need to attract the best and brightest from around the world, like America always used to do, mm -hmm. instead of bringing in people that, that don't necessarily care or have allegiance to this country and who are just going to take. Now, we want to help, but we'll help you maybe in your country to rebuild your country and, and have those American principles. But we need to take care of our own first. And if we do not, then, then we are stealing and it is immoral to our own people. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Correct. And John F. Kennedy was probably the last of the Democrats that were more moderates. And now mm -hmm. we have basically a socialist wing, which is tear down America. And it's what is the government going to do for us? And we've seen that play out a hundred times and we don't want that here. Um, just for a little bit of levity, one of the questions I do like to ask, do you have a political figure that you look up to and why? Yes. So there are a couple, and, and I, I actually was thinking about this yesterday. I'm a fan of Calvin Coolidge, and I'm a fan of Thomas Jefferson. And they both believed in 
there's that core belief of being free to do what you want, providing you don't take away that right from another. Now they 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 were presidents and and they were alive at different times, and they kept that same belief. Jefferson had there was the slavery issues going on at the time, but he also had the expansion of America, the Louisiana Purchase, and these were things that if if they weren't if if he weren't the right man at that time to do those things, this country would be completely different. But he kept those core beliefs. Calvin Coolidge gave us the Roaring Twenties, limits in government. He was a complete opposite from Woodrow Wilson, who was by all standards considered to be racist and someone that believed in more government and somebody that today's Democrats would say, yeah, we don't like that guy, but he was your party. So those two figures are huge. Uh, of course, I grew up as a, a little child with, with Ronald Reagan as well. Most of the things that, that he did, I, I was very supportive of. But with all three of these gentlemen, there were a few things that they did that weren't completely in my in my favor, but no man is perfect. But that if we follow that core concept of being free to do what you want, providing you don't take away that right from another, then generally those men or women will follow uh, correct a correct path that the majority of us people will will appreciate. Yeah, I'm taking this time to address anyone listening, any of your constituents, what would you like to tell everybody? Sure. So I I got into politics on a local level last year because I saw what the changes that were going on locally. And I have four little kids, and I also have an older daughter in the Air Force. And I wanted to do a civic responsibility showing to my oldest of the young children because she was about to go into student government. And I wanted to show her how to be involved. Now, I was always involved in national politics, and I never realized the, the corruption that goes on with local politics. I thought my movement would be maybe 20 25 votes and then ended up getting the most votes in a county council right in in the history of Baltimore County and it was simply because I my message was pure it was American kids first I vowed to donate my entire salary to kids with cancer because I wanted to be a true public servant and I wanted a better life for my children my parents provided a great life it wasn't the best but they provided the, be the best that they could and I wanted to do the same for future generations my intent is never to get into this for the money or for power. My intent is to give our future generations a better life. Other politicians have said that, but my actions speak that. We don't see many politicians that are willing to donate salary uh, like President Trump is currently doing and like I was offering to do as well because this is all about them. So my, my belief is I am one of you. I am not the establishment. I am not in this for me. I am in this to protect our families, our neighborhoods, and our kids. I've been able to protect myself and provide for myself and my family, but I need to now expand that further. So, like I said, if we take care of ourselves first, then we can take care of our families and we can take care of our neighbors. And that's what I want to do. I want to pay it forward. I am one of you. If you don't agree with some of my policies, that's okay. I didn't agree completely with everything with Jefferson and Reagan and but the thing is, I understood their core beliefs, which is to be free, do what you want, provided you don't take away that right from another. I will do that same for you. 
if you have voted historically for one certain party or for a certain belief and you and I don't fit in those molds, that's okay. Just understand my intention is to do the best for your family and for your and your future generations and for our environment. So what do you have to lose? You have somebody that's that's willing to give up what he has, take this take this abuse and heat from running a political race, which is it's eye opening. But I am willing to do what I can to help out at the best I can. And I generally care about the well-being of humanity. And we've seen the promises that were made for generations, and we've seen the lack of results, and we've seen a decline in places like Baltimore where you're promised everything and life just continues to get worse. I will help provide the resurgence into a major city so that the rest of this country can see how Baltimore transformed into a, a city that is struggling into one of the best cities in the future. And by doing that, that sets the platform for how we change America city by city, and we make this a more respectable place to live. Tim, where can everybody contact you? Sure. So my website is timfazenbaker.com. And that's Tim, F-A-Z-E-N-B-A-K-E-R.com. Also on Facebook, I have uh, a Baker for Congress. I also have a, an America First Tim Faze uh, page as well. I have uh, Twitter, America One, that's the number one, Tim Faze, F-A-Z-E. And um, I'm traveling all over the country. I'm doing speeches in, in different cities. And, you know, if you see any events, please stop by and say hello. Tell me if you agree on certain things. Give me your ideas, because as a representative, I don't have all the answers, but I have the right intention and I will amass the ideas of all of you and put those together so that we can we can have a more perfect union. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. It has been a very informative talk, and I hope that everybody listening looks into you, uh, really does some research because elections begin with Americans. You know, if we don't know what we're doing, then we're not putting anyone into office that belongs. So, You're 100% correct. Uh, best of luck to you. If you need to come back on the show, if things change throughout the campaign, you are always welcome here. Your voice is always, you know, it's always welcome. So thank you so much for I, joining me. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you're a congressional candidate and you want to be on the American Perspective, visit our website at www.americanperspectiveshow.com and submit your information. All candidates are welcome, and it's your chance to get your message out. Good luck to all the candidates.